Amen. Hey, um, I, I just, because I was looking at Father's uh, Day um, last week and I, I was going through my, my, my dad jokes, I found another joke that I haven't shared it for a few years. You want to hear it? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, it's one of my favorites. Somebody's leaving, Sarah's leaving, she doesn't want to hear it. It's okay, Sarah, it'll be all right. But this is, this is, this is a, 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 a guy... <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. No, this is, I'm just psyching myself up to do a New York accent or try and do it. It's, a, it's an old Italian guy. He lived in New Jersey. Okay. He wanted to plant his annual tomato garden. Uh, but the ground was hard. It was so difficult. It was so, it was, it was so, so hard. And he was getting older and he, he, he couldn't do what he used to do. So uh, the, the ground, it was just not possible for him to. To, to dig. Usually his, his son, Vinny, helped him, but, but Vinny was in prison. He was locked up. He'd done something bad. And, and so he's in, he's in prison. So, so, so Pop's feeling sad. He decides to write to Vinny and describe the predicament that he's in. He said, dear Vincent, here he is writing the letter. He said, dear Vincent, I am feeling pretty sad, pretty sad. Because it looks like I won't be able to plant my tomato garden this year. I'm just getting too old to be digging up the garden plot. I, I, I know if you were here, my troubles would be over. I know you would be happy to dig the pot for me like in the old days. Love, Papa. A few days later, he received a letter from his son. Dear Pop. Don't dig up the garden. That's where the bodies are buried. Love, Vinny. At 4 a.m. the next morning, the place was crawling with cops. The FBI agents and the lo local police arrived and dug up the entire area. I'm, go I'm going southern on you right now. <laughs> Stay in New York. Get, get back from Alabama. <laughs> So the police arrived, they dug up the entire area looking for those bodies, but they found none. Eventually they left, and that same day the old man received another letter from his son. Dear Pop, go ahead, plant the tomatoes now. That's the best I could do under the circumstances. Love, Vinny. You gotta love a son like Vinny. <laughs> for those who didn't get it we have a special meeting out in the for the guys dug the garden and that yeah right okay yeah <laughs> are you ready for the word yeah. amen amen matthew 28 verse 19 through 20 it says this you know it it's a great commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Or if you use the King James, the Holy Ghost. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. On Thursday, we farewelled Patrick Farrell. He had been battling with cancer for just over three years. Some of you may know him. Some of you might not know him, and that's all right. He, he was a, 
a, a quiet battler. You'd never know he was battling with, uh, with cancer. Uh, but but he, he succumbed to that over, uh, well, last week, really, on, on Father's Day. And, and again, we prayed for him in the 1045 service. And I felt, I'm glad I did do that. I, I, I was prompted. I was asking the Lord in the first session, should I, you know, it was Father's Day. And I was like, oh, is that, you know, should, should I do that? But I really felt that his granddaughter in the, in the 1045 actually jumped up on stage and said, uh, pop, hi, Pop. And, and, and so, so that, that, that was like, yep, yeah, that, that to me was just like, yeah, we, let's pray for him. And I found out later that his whole family uh, was there with him in the hospital. I think there's a photo you can see. And they, they had brought in a special TV uh, for him. And they, the whole lot of them were there when we did that. And they were, the whole lot of them watched. The, he's got 19 grandchildren. Um, they all watched the service. And as we uh, prayed, Patrick stretched out his arms and everyone was praying and crying. And, and, and um, yeah, yeah, it was just a really touching night. So I'm so glad. I, I want to tell you, when you feel those promptings of the Holy Ghost, it's, uh, obey them, uh, allow God, because you never know what's going to, you know, because sometimes I, I don't know if I, am I praying into thin air? Am I, will he ever see that? I, I, I don't know. But they were all there watching it at the time. And of course, it was Father's, uh, Father's Day and later, on that night, on Father's Day, Patrick found true rest in the arms of his heavenly father. At the funeral on Thursday, it was beautiful to hear and see the impact, Patrick, because sometimes you don't know who, who is that guy, but it was beautiful to see the impact that he'd had on so many, so many lives, on so many people, and not just his, his family, but to People from all walks, I'm going to tell you, people from all walks of life were here. And it was so evident that Patrick had gossiped the gospel. Because Patrick, if you know Patrick, he liked the good yarn. But it was so evident that Patrick had gossiped the gospel. Patrick had prayed for and loved on and shared with so many people who had perhaps not even darkened the door of a church. And it was clear from what was shared, his home and his table were open to all. And that in that place over many years, he whispered hope to the hopeless. He would love the unlovable. Christ had changed Patrick's life and he wanted everybody he knew to know it. Wherever he was, he talked about Christ. Patrick, Patrick wasn't perfect. Let, let me be clear, Patrick wasn't perfect. He, he wasn't theologically trained. Patrick was a plasterer by profession, but of course he was far more than that. God had used him to touch many lives. And I was just reminded as we were going through the service, I was reminded of the fact that, that Jesus was not beaten with mercilessly nailed to a cross so that you and I could go to church on Sunday and stare at the back of people's heads and go, boy, he's lost hair since last week. 
No, and, 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 and please understand me, church is important. I think it's, it's important. It's that, 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 that day where we minister unto the law, where we, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. But, but, but Christ made it clear that, that he, he did not just die so we could go to church. He died so that we could go into all the world and reach the lost. Matthew 28, Mark 16, we've read it. And of course, often when we talk about that, it seems like, well, where, where in the world can we go? It turns into this big mission thing. Of course, we spent many years in India, and we, we sort of see it with that kind of mindset. Where in the world should I go? And I, I'm just here to say and remind us today, I would just say, where, where should you go? Well, where are you now? Where in the world should you go? Well, well, where in the world are you? Start there. Start there. That might be on the factory floor or... On the farm, I might, you, you might be a builder or you're building a, a business. Wherever you are, your world starts there. And it's true, you can't bring the whole world to Christ, but you can bring Christ to your whole world. You see, because people, and you know this, people, people out there in the world, they, they, they don't read the Bible they read you. And of course, there's a challenge right there as to how we, we live. And sometimes that's, that's a pressure. It's like, well, we want to live a life that honors God. We want to do what we can with our lives to, to, to honor, honor him. I mean, after all, Jesus said, we're the light of the world. Right. And so we want to do what we can to honor him. And Paul urges us to do that in Ephesians 4 verse 1. He said, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received where the pressure's on. Philippians 1 verse 27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Colossians 1 verse 10, live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. We, we, we don't always get it. We don't always get it right. But someone said this, when it comes to evangelism, I, I don't know, I think it was maybe Spurgeon. I'm not, Charles Spurgeon, I, 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 but I'm not sure. But, but really, when it boils down to it, evangelism or reaching the world is, he said it's like this, it's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's not that we have to prove that we're fancy as Christians, because we're not. It's not that we have to prove that we have it all together, because we don't. Turn the person next to you inside, think he's meaning you. Can't be me. We don't have it together. We're just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. You can't bring the whole world to Christ, but you can take Christ to your whole world. And you need to understand, and we need to understand that you, you are not, you are not in the wrong place waiting for the right time to happen. You're exactly where God wants you to be. 
I did a message, it was probably about five years ago, and it was called Don't Doubt Your Day Job. And I want to go there again today because the message was really a reminder of the fact that you are a market place minister with a marketplace ministry. And for me, as Patrick, as a, as I heard the stories of Patrick's life, because pa Patrick, you didn't know who Patrick, I, I've talked to some people, so I didn't know who he was, but I want to tell you, there's people out there who knew who he was. And so he was quiet, and he didn't say much, and well, he did talk, he did talk, he loved a good talk. But I want to tell you, many people didn't know who he was. I've known him for 30 years. But, but please understand, although we didn't know him here, many people knew him out there. He understood, and that, that, that's why I was moved as I was thinking about what uh, to share. Patrick sort of epitomizes, if you like, the, the marketplace minister with a marketplace ministry. Imperfect Patrick, the professional plasterer. He understood he understood that he was called to the marketplace and that he had a ministry there. And I, I want to give that as a reminder to us today that, of course, as my, my job as a pastor is to equip the saints. That's what I'm called to do as a pastor. My job every Sunday is to equip you for your marketplace, your mission, and your ministry on Monday. The Christian life isn't about what happens here on Sunday. It's about what happens out there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Somebody say amen. Because that's where you live. That's where you work. That's where you do life. I have people say to me from time to time, Pastor, I'd like to be in full-time ministry. Good news is, you are. Come on. You are. You are. Because I'd love to be a pastor like you. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> I've got to be honest if I'm honest. I sometimes wish I was like you. Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. Another problem coming. You don't want to be me. I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm called. Yeah, that's right. Come on. She has to keep going. Come on, keep going. <laughs> Every week she's saying, don't quit. You think I'm joking. <laughs> Good news, we are in full-time ministry. It was... It was clear to me that, that, that the imperfect Patrick, the professional plaster, plasterer, understood this. And I want to say to you today, God wants to use you right now where you are. God wants to use you. I want you to understand, church. God wants to use you right where you are now. Not, not where you're going to be 10 years from now. Not, not some future perfect got it all together version of you 10 years from now, then heal you. Oh, if I could just do this, if I could just, no, God wants to use you right now. Yes, with all your imperfections. Yes, with all your faults. Thank you for the one person that's clapping. Yeah, for, for, for all of the stuff that's going on in your life, God wants to use you 
exactly as you are. Not some future perfected, better version of yourself down the road out there somewhere. He wants to use you now. But see, here's the thing. The devil would like nothing better than to have you disqualify yourself from leadership in spiritual matters. Listen, the devil wants you to doubt your day job. The devil seeks to what? He seeks to neutralize marketplace ministers like yourself. Marketplace apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, people like you. If if, listen, and his wife, the devil can convince you that you, you the majority of the church, you the majority of the Christians, if the devil can convince you who, who live and work in the marketplace that, that somehow you're a second class citizen in the kingdom, if he can convince you, the devil knows he can render ineffective 95%, probably more, of those who call themselves Christian. He can render them. If you, don't, if you feel, man, I just don't have it because I'm not in full-time. You are in full-time. When you understand that, I'm just saying embrace your space and your place on this planet. And realize you are not where you are by accident. Church is not the steeple, it's the people. And that's you. If the devil can cause you to doubt what you do or where you are, and then he's convinced that the great majority of Christians, and they rendered us ineffective. Don't let that be you. Listen, we have to remember. That Jesus was more familiar. This is the part, I love this stuff. Jesus was more familiar with the marketplace than the monastery. See, some of us think when we think of Jesus, we look at him like a monk. That's my monk impression. I like Gregorian chants, I listen to them. But some of us, when we look at Jesus, we think about it. We think of him more like a monk. I mean, we do. But but think about we 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 think of him in the monastery doing the his beads or whatever. I don't know about that. Think about it. Think Jesus was a carpenter. Any carpenters in the house? Who want to? Or any people? Okay. Any plumbers? Yes, I can see a plumber. I, I, I think I can see you. He's still not putting his hand up. He's not. Don't go and ask him, hey, could you do a job? No, don't do that. Jesus was a carpenter. He spent, listen, most of his, most of his adult life in the building industry. In fact, he spent so long in that, that's how his neighbors knew him. They knew him in Mark 6, 3. They said, when they, when they said, is this not the carpenter? They didn't say, is this not the prophet? No, they said, is this not the carpenter? Is this the, this the guy from Joseph and Co. Construction? Is this the guy? That's not in the Bible, that is in the Greek. 
But in Mark 6, verse 3, it's like, is this not the carpenter? Those are the words that the people, they knew him as the guy, the builder guy. I don't know how people know you. You might be the plumber guy. You might be the, you, you might be the farming guy. You might be, I don't know, the business, business guy. That, that's how people might know you, but that's not who you are. That's what you do. But God's got something and a purpose for your life far greater than what you do. And see, understand that Jesus did not do carpentry occasionally. Yes, I love doing woodwork. I've got a little lathe out the back. No, Jesus didn't do carpentry occasionally. It was not just his hobby. Yes, I love woodwork. No, he, he earned his living from it. Like every, every boy in Israel, he would have been by his father's side. His father would have taught him in his teens or even earlier, which would mean, think about it, by the time Jesus got baptized, he would have been in that profession. Listen, he would have been in the carpentry profession, the building profession for some 15 to 20 years. 15 to 20 years. See, we often read the Bible with a monastery mindset. We, we, we see Jesus' life and, and ministry through that lens. He, we, we think of him more like a monk than someone in the marketplace. And, and you know, because a lot of people, Christians, we think, oh, could you use me here? Could you use me here, Pastor? Could you use me here? Yep. Yeah, we, again, we, we, we need helpers, we need volunteers or whatever. We, we, we need way more volunteers. Happy to have you, more people on, more people helping in. That's actually the scripture in Corinthians, a whole other sermon. One body, many parts, that has everything to do with the services. That whole, the whole context is not one body, many parts out there somewhere. That actually, the, the context of that is to do with the services that happen in church. Where, so, so a whole other sermon, what part do you play in making this happen? Where do you serve? That's another message. But a lot of people want to do their ministry here, but, but, but Jesus wants to remind us, I, I want you to do it out there. So they look at, I'll do ministry on Sunday, but no, he wants you to do it on the, in the marketplace on Monday. Jesus did his miracles, not in a religious setting, not, not in the synagogue, but out there. I mean, if you think about his stories, if you think about the stories that... Jesus told, think, think about his parables. They weren't synagogue parables. They were marketplace parables. What did he talk about? He, he told parables about farming, about agriculture, about vineyards, about wages, about pay. He shared stories about sowing and reaping and taxes, investment and returns, the parable of the talents. He talked about having the right perspective on your wealth because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Think about every story that he shared. Jesus was far more familiar with the marketplace than the monastery. And I know some here today will 
you'll say, well, Pastor, I don't feel kind of ready for that. Again, you've got to remember, who does? You've got to remember, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. You step out, he will go with you. The, The Bible says he will go with you. Remember, we're just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. We're just saying God's changed. It's not about we're all superior. No, no. It's just telling people God's changed my life. He can change yours. Remember the early church movement. When you think about the early church, not one of them, not one, not, not one of the people Jesus chose was, was, was from Bethlehem Bible College. Not one. The early church movement was not led by individuals famous for their religious prowess, but but by people known for their roles in the marketplace, a a, a fisherman, fishermen. They worked for Sea Lord. Okay, okay, that didn't work. But they they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were farmers. They were, uh, Luke was a doctor. We have to understand Christ's 12 were not picked from the temple. None were professional clergy. And there's no doubt his disciples were were definitely more familiar with the marketplace than they were the monastery. And think about it, out of the 40 supernatural acts that happened in the book of Acts, only one happened in a religious setting. The rest happened where people lived and worked. They knew what it was to be supernatural in the supermarket. Patrick got that. Jesus called everyday people to reach an everyday world, and he he still called and calling everyday people like you to reach your everyday world. So as I've said, you need to embrace the space God's placed you in. You are not there by accident. You've got to know that you're a marketplace minister with a marketplace ministry. You're exactly where God wants you to be. The Bible talks about the devil has schemes. He has schemes, the devil's schemes. The devil knows if he can convince you that you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, if he can get you to doubt what you're about. And he's one, don't let him. If you're here today and you're saying, God, I'm just a youth. I'm just a nurse. I'm just a factory hand. I'm just a businessman. I'm just a cop. I'm just a lab worker. I'm just a student. I'm just a builder. I'm just a whatever it is, fill in the blank. That might be what you do, but that's not who you are. You are, listen, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You're called, anointed, and appointed, not because of where you are, but because of whose you are. And where you are is not a mistake, but your mission and your ministry. 
Some people say to me, you've heard me say this before, but they, people say, look, Pastor, it's so dark. Where I work, it's so dark. Well, you're the light. Maybe, maybe that's why you're there. You're, you're to be the light in that dark, dark place. Don't doubt your day job. You're a marketplace minister on a marketplace mission. You have an important role to play. I want to tell somebody today that you are not in the wrong place waiting for the right time to happen. You're exactly where God wants you to be. Some of you have been pulling back, living slack. If only I had this job. If only I had this thing. If only God would put me there. If only He would open up. If only He would open up that. If only I had this job, then I could really serve God. I want to tell you today, it's time to stop making excuses and report for duty. Come on. It's time to go, here I am. Send me. Yes, God loves the whole world. It's true. We only have to love our neighbor. We can start there. You are marketplace ministers with marketplace ministry. Don't doubt your day job. Would you stand? Let me say this to every person here today, every businessman, manager, factory hand, builder, whatever it is. To every parent raising their children and their families. (laughs) One of the most critical things. Don't go, well, I'm just a mom. No, no, you're, you're, you, are, you are leading. You are putting stuff into the next generation. Don't underestimate it. You're not there by accident. No matter what you do, His desire is to use you. It's imperative that you realize that today, that God has explicitly called you and anointed you for it. When you realize that the church doesn't just happen in a building on Sunday, but it's happening all over the Kapiti Coast in Wellington on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, because the church is wherever you are. Whether in the boardroom or the factory floor, God's given you an open door. Like Patrick, the professional plasterer, use it to make a difference. Would you bow your heads? God, we thank you, Father God, for every single person here, for every calling, for every job, for every place that you have strategically put us, whether we're in business or working for someone or people work for us, whichever way it goes, whatever areas we lead, whether it's in government or whatever, whatever space or place. Father, we thank you today. We are not there by accident. We don't just do our, our, our Christian life on Sunday for an hour and a half. We, we, we do it, Father God, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because we understand that you've called us to that place. We're to, we're to be pastors in that place. We're to be evangelists in that place. We're, we're to be apostles. We're to, be, we're to minister. We're to, we're to teach people who don't know how to, how, how to do life. We, we can share what we've learned. Father, we, we can be that one beggar helping another beggar find the bread, the bread of life. Enable us to do that wherever we are. Help us to see our lives and where we fit differently. Even as we go out into the harvest field today, like Patrick, help us gossip the gospel wherever we are. In Jesus' name. Let me pronounce a blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you. 
and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. If you need prayer for anything, there's a prayer station off to the side here. There will be people there ready to pray with and for you. Thank you so much. I hope you received that, uh, that word. Can we give our King one praise offering? Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Turn to the person next to you and say, please buy me coffee. I want to talk about the sermon.